to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. Uh, my name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram, Ask Adam Torres, to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signing, all that great stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to be apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to my website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. I'm uh, really excited to have Stephen Van der Wettering on the line today. He is the founder of Impaxis Data Management, Inc. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. So, Stephen, I'm really excited to get into what you're doing over at Impaxis and also to get more information and help you promote this uh, $2,000 scholarship that you're offering to women in high school or college in the U.S. who are planning on a career in business or entrepreneurship. Um, we're going to get into that. I'm really super excited that you're obviously um, backing any initiative like that, and I'm happy to help promote in any way I can. But before we start talking about all that, let's start with your background. So how did you get started as an entrepreneur in business? Yeah, um, that's great. So, um, well, my my family, my father had a uh, has a business uh, back in New York, um, and so kind of went to, you know, went to high school and kind of grew up in his business. Uh, it's a flower business. We grow flowers for Home Depot and Walmart and Target and what have you. And um, uh, so I I got going in that uh, and and saw him as sort of this mentor, but. I just really hated the business, uh, so it just wasn't for me, and it took me a little while to admit that to myself. So um, once I finally did, I just kind of took a job in anything I was remotely interested in, which was uh, securities. I thought I wanted to be a, a portfolio manager, so I got a job at Pacific Life, uh, working in operations. Um, did that for a number of years. Went and worked at Pimco, uh, also in operations, but started to move up a little bit in the industry. Worked at a software company, and then uh, and then left and, and got going with Impaxis. So yeah, that's um, that's kind of a quick uh, quick version of how I got to where I'm at. So I think there's a lot of um, people listening who are maybe on their, you know, first, second, third, maybe fourth or more business. And, you know, they mm -hmm. have very similar paths where they started at one thing and then they figured out, you know, it just wasn't for them and, you know, may have taken a couple shots to get into a groove. Um, for some of those that are going through that, let's call it struggle right now, what would be your advice to them on trying to find something that really aligns with um, their passion or their overall interest? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because, uh, you know, with my, my father's business, it, it just wasn't for me. So that it was going to be very tough to be successful in it, right? At, at least for me personally, you know, um, just fitting into any sort of job and, and trying to be successful at it without really liking the industry or having a, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, some sort of proclivity to, to working with that group of people that are very interested in it, you know, it, it, it was going to be very difficult to be successful there. So when I finally decided, uh, screw it, I'm just going to just do something I want. And, you know, I, I had to go backwards financially to do it. I am. Yeah. The first job I had, it was very sort of basic entry level job, and um, you know, but I was so interested, and it was like it, it, it didn't matter how much you were making, you know, you, you just you know you're just so interested, you're learning everything new, and it was, everything was exciting. So, you know, finding um, figure out what you like, and just head in that direction. Uh, that would be my suggestion to them because um, it's so much easier to be successful in something that you just inherently enjoy than something that is a job where maybe you can make more money at or, or something along those lines, but you don't necessarily 
you know, care about the industry, you know. So um, that would be my suggestion. I just follow something, try to find, identify something that you just in, inherently like or good at and you, you, you enjoy. And um, uh, it'll it'll help you when things get tough just because, you know, when things are tough, if, if you don't like the work already and now things are tough on top, it's just, uh, you know, it makes life uh, miserable for you, you know, whereas if you like the work, you like the people that you work with, you just, in a tough spot with it, well, I mean, you have a foundation of something that you just inherently enjoy, and so you're willing to spend more time at it. It's just easier for you to spend more time at it and be successful at it. That would be my suggestion. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And and one thing that I, uh, I'll just elaborate on for the listeners is notice Stephen isn't saying that you have to follow your passion at the detriment of earning money. Um, I think that's a big um, misunderstanding mm-hmm. that many people have. They think, oh, well, I have to follow my passion, and my particular passion doesn't earn money incorrect. I, I, I hate that it's a cop-out. I mean, I don't, if, you're, if you're into art, if you're into photography, you're into some professions may be a little bit more difficult to earn money in um, than others. However, um, there's a lot of people, you can name any profession out there, and somebody has made a lot of money in it, just bottom line. I don't care what they're doing, and um, it just has to do with how they're doing it. So what Stephen is saying is is that uh, the kind of the opposite. It's that you can that you need to really align your passion and go towards the um, go towards what you're doing. And in terms of earning money, that's up to you as and how much you're going to make. So obviously he wasn't going to be able to fake um, getting excited about a customer that came in about their anniversary for the hundredth time that day that had that wanted to order roses. It sounds to me like that was not his passion for somebody else. That may be their passion to to create that, that bouquet or whatever it is for the, um, for the occasion. Um, so I, I love, I love your transparency in that, Stephen. I think the listeners definitely um, will get a lot from it. Let's, um, let's switch it up a bit. I want to talk about what you're doing now with uh, Impaxis data management. So um, what kind of clients do you help and how do you help them? Yeah, so uh, Paxos works with asset managers, hedge funds, money managers. Um, what we provide is this middle and back office services. And, and basically what, are, what it is is business services for these uh, money managers that they would otherwise do internally. Uh, we provide it as an outsource service. Uh, so this is all we do. We're really good at it. We like doing it. Um, we're constantly looking for innovative ways to improve uh, servicing for our clients and uh, our clients generally they want to manage money you know they want to run a strategy they want to meet with their clients and help them with their retirement uh, and generally they just don't focus on operations and that leads to problems you know they just they, they have too many staff um, doing operations for them and you know so their business isn't making as much money as it could the business isn't maybe as scalable as it could be because they're just not focusing or devoting enough resources to it so we're experts at this. This is all we do. We love doing it. And uh, so we make it very easy for our clients to have a scalable and uh, highly efficient operation uh, through providing these uh, these middle and back office services as, as an outsourced um, uh, service. What kind of trends are you noticing in your industry right now? So data management and working with um, money managers. And I know FinTech is disrupting everything. What kind of trends are you seeing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that's right. Uh, it used to be that everybody installed software locally, right? And um, it seems like this industry, you know, the investment management industry, it's it's a very slow uh, evolution away from that onto software as a service. 
um, you know, most everything else, consumers, um, you, you, you don't go buy apps anymore. You don't go buy applications that you install with a CD-ROM anymore in your laptop. Everything is on the web. You just go log into a site and you pay some subscription fee and, and you use the software, right? And, uh, you know, the business is taking a long time to get there. So that's just the, the, the large um, trend that's been happening in our industry, and it's just a very gradual sort of trend. There's a lot of firms that are still on all old enterprise installed software, and, um, you know, it, it, it's too bad. There's, there's a, a lot of new ways of doing things that you can leverage uh, software as a service. It, it makes it easier for you to, ha um, to manage your operation. There's less moving parts to deal with. Uh, you know, the software companies will automatically update your system. You don't have to have them come in and, and do updates for you. So uh, there's a big trend in just firms moving from enterprise or locally installed software to uh, software as a service. And so, um, yeah, that's a very big trend. And we're, we're affected by that because we have a lot of the way that we provide our services is we're providing it uh, into the operations of these firms. We're generally connecting people in our, our facility in India directly into the operations of our clients. And the ones that are on old software, um, you know, we just have a, a tougher time managing. It takes more labor to manage that software, whereas the newer uh, software as a service, it's, it's much easier. Uh, for us to even work with it than uh, uh, than the older older software. So uh, so that's sort of sort of the big trend in in our industry right now. Yeah, and some of those older softwares or firms that have been running some of those. I mean, just the amount of layers and layering that was done, and the type of like systems they've used throughout the years, and products being updated. Oh my gosh, what a mess! So if you're like, so if you're, you know, somebody's listening to this right now, and they're in that situation, um, and they're saying, you know, we, we know we need to update and go to something that's more efficient and that's not, you know, we're we're pretty outdated. I mean, what does a transition period look like for a firm like that? Um, because I know some of them listening may be scared to make the call just because they don't want to deal with it. Because you're right, they are managing yeah. money and they're busy with their clients. Um, what is it, if, if we happen to have their attention and they're listening to this now, what does that look like? <laughs> yeah, sure. So it's actually easier than it sounds. Uh, I mean, um, I think there's a, uh, people are, are a little bit nervous about what it means to go from something where you can see it and touch it and feel it uh, and you feel like you have ultimate control over it to something where it's just online and somebody's managing servers and what have you. Uh, but the actual transition is uh, is a lot easier than that. Uh, plus, what you'll notice is once you get there, it's it's like I said, it's just easier to manage in and of itself. You don't need a team of people or an outside uh, person to be coming in to update and patch your server, and uh, there's just less moving parts. So most people that go uh, from installed and uh, locally locally hosted servers to you know, Amazon Web Services or Rackspace or one of these other service providers um, uh, where things are done in the cloud, um, they, they generally don't go back. And, and most firms in this day and age with cybersecurity the way it, way it is, and uh, uh, it just doesn't make sense for small firms in particular to have these kinds of systems locally installed. Uh, you should really move everything to the web. They, you know, these, these are large firms that all they do is uh, focus on making sure that your servers are up and running all the time. They know it's not working sooner than you know it's not working. They're the ones aggressively patching it. They're the ones working on uh, protecting the data. They, they just have more resources to throw at it than a small to medium-sized firm. So I would suggest any any firm that is a small to medium-sized firm that still has servers 
um, you know, we can, we're happy to speak with them, but, you know, really consider moving things to the web. You're, you'll be in a, a higher availability uh, setup, and you'll also be in something that's much more secure than uh, something that you're controlling yourself that's maybe in, you know, with servers in a small server room or a closet or what have you. That's awesome. Um, and so, Stephen, if somebody wants more information on uh, Impaxis uh, data management, how do they contact mm -hmm. either you or the company? Yeah, it's really simple. You can just drop me an email at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at Impaxis.com. Oh, or you can go to our company website. There's a form you can fill out. Uh, we'll we'll uh, set up a time and you can chat. All right. And let's, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit more about that scholarship you have coming out. Yeah, sure. So, um, over the years, I have two daughters, right? And um, uh, and so it's been sort of the year of the women this past couple of years here, I would say. Um, we don't see enough women uh, in this line of work. It's, it's predominantly uh, handled by men. We we have maybe 35% women on our team. Uh, it's uh, it's still a low number, and we'd like to encourage more women to uh, come into our industry and just be entrepreneurs in, in general. Uh, we find that they do a great job. They're more team-oriented. Um, we enjoy working with them. We enjoy having them on our team. We just don't come across as many candidates uh, in in this field. So uh, we're encouraging um, women to you know, learn more about entrepreneurship and and uh, businesses like ours. And to that um, to that end, we're providing this $2,000 scholarship for uh, uh, for women that are in high school or in college. Um, it's a simple uh, essay. And write about it. Uh, it's, it's, um, by the end of the month, we're, we're collecting and, and uh, going to be deciding who's our finalist for uh, the scholarship. But it's a $2,000 scholarship uh, for women uh, that are interested in entrepreneurship and, and business. That's awesome. And so, how do they? How do people submit uh, their their essay? Yeah. So you can go to our website again. Same same thing. Go to our our website uh, and. Uh, there's a, a link there for uh, for the program, so uh, you can take a look at it there and um, uh, sub submit your uh, submit your resume. I mean, submit your application for it, and we'll, we'll you'll be considered. All right, perfect. Well, hey, Stephen, I really appreciate you uh, taking time out to come on the show and uh, educate my audience. Um, thank you for that. And to the audience, as always, I appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave me a review. Do all those great things that uh, we do to support our podcasters. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks again, uh, Stephen, for the interview. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful day.